0: I have the joy of just opening the Word of God with you tonight. If you have your copy of God's Word, we're going to look at the very passage that was read for you already, that is Matthew chapter 1. You can go ahead and turn your Bibles there. And as you do, I ask you to think about your earliest memories of Christmas. And when you hear about Christmas, what comes to your mind, or maybe even what comes to your senses? Is it the smell of home cooking and the special Christmas meal? Is it the smell of a Christmas tree in your home, fake or real? Is it the time of just being with friends or with family? Is it opening the gifts and waking up early or maybe sleeping in now? Uh, What comes to mind when you think of Christmas. Maybe it's the lights uh, as you go down the streets. Maybe it's the snow where you're from and being able to play in the white, icy snow is going up to the mountains. Whatever it might be, this is the season that we're in. And maybe for you it's, it's none of those, but you can't escape the fact that it is Christmas. tonight, our theme is, O come, O come, Emmanuel. And out of all of the names of God, why Emmanuel? Why does this passage, Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, call Him Emmanuel? Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call His name Emmanuel. One of my favorite songs Growing up was, uh, you are holy. And in this song, it's not a Christmas song, but in this song, it lists many, many names of who God is. For example, it says, you are holy. You are mighty. You are worthy. You are worthy of praise. Some of you are singing it in your head along with me. You are the Lord of lords and the King of kings, the Prince of Peace. Sorry, I skipped some. The mighty God, the Lord of everything. You are Emmanuel, the great I am, the Prince of Peace, who is the Lamb. You're the saving God. You're my saving grace. You're the ancient of days. You're the Alpha, the Omega, beginning, the end. You're my Savior, Messiah, Redeemer, and Friend. There are countless names And even last week, if you were at the events, uh, Kent was listing, listing several names of who God is because of how glorious he is, of how magnificent he is, how endless the list goes on and on to describe who God is. But why Emmanuel? And like I mentioned earlier, and if you were at church on Sunday, Crossroads, Our pastor went through this. It must have been God's providence because we had no communication whatsoever between his sermon on Sunday and the theme of this event. But it must be God's providence for a reason because he must want us to understand and to dwell upon his name, Emmanuel. There are countless more names, but why Emmanuel? Today I want to look at a different angle than our pastor did If you didn't listen to it, if you weren't there, please go and download it. It's online now. I listened to it just yesterday. Um, It is a great sermon. It will refresh your mind, even if you were there. Uh, He goes through Isaiah chapter 7 and looks at the context of Ahaz and Israel at the time. And by saying, Emmanuel... This is who is coming in the future, God with us. The people of Israel rejected this God. But he made this really neat connection because Joseph here in this passage heard Emmanuel is coming and Joseph accepted him. And so that gave us an opportunity to make a choice. When we hear of this name, Emmanuel, God with us, how do we respond to him? based on the implication of him being with us. See, God, who was apart from the people at the time, not physically with them, was going to be with them. And we'll see this here in just a moment. But it forces us, it forces them, it forces all people to make a decision. What are we going to do with Jesus, God, with us? We can either love him, we can either hate him, See, for those who love Him, there is an implication. For those, those who hate Him, there is an implication. So today, we're not going to rehash that, but we're going to look at the Bible as a whole. What does it mean, God with us, starting from Genesis all the way to Revelation? Well, we're not going to go through the whole book of the Bible, but we're going to take just a couple snippets from the beginning and the middle and in the end because it's important for us to understand Emmanuel, God with us. We're going to look at it in three different aspects. And if you're a believer tonight, this is so comforting. This is so reassuring because God has always wanted to be with his people, he has always wanted to have a relationship with the people who were made in his image. And that's what happens, we'll see. And if you're not a believer tonight, if you don't believe in Jesus Christ, in this Emmanuel, then there's an implication for you because at the end of this message, there's a decision that must be made. So, listen up. There's a, there's a lesson for both. Three things I just want to highlight briefly tonight. Three things. The first is this, is that God and man dwelt perfectly together says in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Flip your Bibles to Genesis. See, after God created the heavens and the earth, Adam and Eve dwelt with God in the garden. In chapter 3, verse 8, after Adam and Eve had eaten and have sinned, Against God, verse eight says that they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves. See, there was communication in the garden at the time, and God had created them in this in this state where they could commune with Him, uh, where God roamed freely with them. He dwelt with His people, and this is the way it was meant to be. God designed creation for us to be able to have a perfect relationship with Him. But because of Adam and Eve's decisions to sin, what happened? What happened? God said, you must leave this garden. You must be put out of this garden They dwelt perfectly together, but after the fall, God banished mankind, and He put an angel in front of the garden so that they could not come back in. See, at that moment, that perfect relationship that they had together was broken. It was broken. God and man dwelt perfectly together, but because of sin, that relationship was broken. That's the first thing I want you to notice tonight. We're going to move quickly. God and man dwelt together perfectly. Number two, as a result of their sin, mankind therefore dwelt imperfectly with God. Everything changed after the garden. Everything changed. And we see this throughout the rest of Scripture. God didn't dwell with His people in the way that He did. There wasn't that perfect relationship. Instead, God dwelt with them in a different way, and we see His manifestations in a physical form. For example, in Exodus 13.21, the Lord went before them day by day. This is after the Exodus, and the people of Israel had, had left Egypt. God had taken them out, and now they're roaming. They're on their way to Canaan. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light and that that they might travel by day and night. God manifested Himself in a different way. And He said, great, He's still dwelling amongst them. But if you know the rest of the story, the biblical story, God's people disobey and they reject Him, and they turn to idols, and they worship other things besides God. Exodus 25, God gives instructions for the Ark of the Covenant, where God was to dwell with His people. Exodus 27, He gives instructions for a tabernacle, where God was to dwell with His people. But because they continued to disobey time in and time out, out. The relationship was broken over and over again. In 1 Kings 6 11 through 13, instructions were given to Solomon to build the temple. Why? So that God could dwell <clears throat> with his people. It was originally given to David, but David, because of his sin, was not promised to him. God says, No, it'll be given to your son. Solomon. In fact, it'll be given to you generations down the line. That's when Jesus Christ is prophesied. You see, time in and time again, God wanted to dwell with His people, but because of their disobedience, that relationship continued to be broken. See, Romans 5, we learn through one man's sin, all have sinned, and all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. God and man were meant to dwell perfectly together. But, because of sin, that was broken. Mankind therefore dwelt imperfectly with God. The third part, moving on, is because of Emmanuel, you can dwell perfectly with God. We can have that relationship. And this is the gospel. And for those of you who have been with us throughout this quarter. You learned about this through the book of Romans. You've learned about this in small group. you learned about this uh, in church, through Galatians. There are so many different ways that you've been exposed to this. But because of Emmanuel, we get to dwell perfectly with God. What do I mean, and how is this so? Matthew 23. behold, we're coming back to Matthew, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. John chapter 1, verse 14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory. Glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Philippians chapter 2, it says, Christ Jesus, who though He was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied Himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. See, the eternal Christ came, the eternal God came in a human form. And throughout the redemptive history of time, time uh, throughout all of redemptive history, Jesus Christ, the Emmanuel, came down to be with us. And if we think of this whole redemptive history, this is the apex of redemptive history. The apex. Because this event that God came down as a man meant that we could dwell with God again. See, God had tried. Garden, we sinned against Him. He made all these other means for us to be with Him, but Israel, God's people, continued to sin against him. And in God's redemptive plan, then sent his very son, the God-man, to come into this world, to be just like you and I, to suffer, to be tempted, to live a life that you and I would live, and to die a death that only we deserve. For we have sinned against God but he was sinless. This is the apex of redemptive history when Christ came. And so when we celebrate God with us, we must be thankful and we must be joyful. See, after Jesus Christ came and he died on the cross and then he was raised again three days later, he soon later ascended into heaven. And while that might seem like, well, I thought God had come to be with us, we must not forget that he sent then his Holy Spirit to come down and to be with us. John 14, 16 and 17 said, he will be with you forever, meaning of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 2, God the Holy Spirit is promised to those who believe in him, who repent from their sins. While Jesus left to go to heaven to prepare a place for you and I, he sent his Holy Spirit to be with us not only to be with us but to dwell within us to be a helper for us to give us new life to be able to speak truth to understand his word can you see where redemptive history is going can you see how god is miraculously going through time making a way for us to be with him once again How it was broken in the Garden of Eden, but soon one day that will be restored. See, that's not all. God and man dwelt perfectly together. And as a result of sin, we dwelt imperfectly together. But we can be reunited with Him. Because of Emmanuel, you can dwell perfectly with God once Again, See, while I said Jesus Christ, the Emmanuel, is the apex of redemptive history, an apex is only the apex if that's all you can see. If I'm climbing on a mountain, I can see one mountain in front of me. I climb to it. That's the apex as far as I can see. But what if you get to the mountain and the mountaintop, and when you turn around and you look in the forward direction and you see Yet another mountain. That's exactly what's happening here. See, we've got to the apex through Jesus Christ, and He's come and He's died for our sins. And He's made a way for us to be restored. For those who believe in Him, we can have a right relationship with Him. Here, today, we can be forgiven of our sins. Because of His death on the cross, we don't have to die that death that we deserve But when we get to that point and when we understand who Jesus is, we then look beyond the first apex. And we look to the second. And what is that second apex? See, Matthew 28, 20, it says, And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So this is not the end. When we say the end of the age, this is only... Actually, in the grand scheme of things, it's only the beginning. Because time will will exist for eternity. It'll continue on. It'll continue on. When you think it's the end, it'll continue on. See, in Revelation 21, verse 1, it says this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. See, the first apex was the coming of Jesus Christ, but the second apex and the highest apex is when we will be with Him in heaven. While God is with us here on this earth and He's come down and He's stooped down to be with us so that He can make a way in the future and eternity in heaven, we will be with Him. That is incredible. We think of Emmanuel, God with us. Think of the future. God will be with us, but we will be with Him too. And where will that be? That will be eternity in heaven where there is no more tear and there is no more crying and there is no more pain. That is the apex that we can look to. But we must first understand the apex of who Jesus Christ is, and that is Emmanuel God with us. I hope that's clear for all of you tonight as we celebrate Christmas. Jesus Christ coming down in human form to be with us has paved the way for us to be with Him for all eternity. That is the gloriousness, that is the beauty, that is the joy. That for all of us who believe in Jesus Christ, we'll get to experience not only now, but for eternity. For those of you who don't know this Jesus Christ, I beg with you that today you get to know him. That you ask somebody near you, what does it mean to know Jesus Christ, to be with him, not only now, but in the future? Well, maybe there's other things that will come to your mind um, now that when you think about Christmas, and I hope this is giving you some food for thought as you go through the rest of this Christmas season. Um, I know we're going to be continuing to pray for all of you as you go through finals, um, but may the joy of Christmas, the joy of knowing who Jesus Christ is, the joy of knowing that He is with you in His Holy Spirit, that He has come in human form to die a death that we deserve, and that we can look to that higher peak of knowing that we will be with Him in heaven.